Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And it's not often that you get to do a podcast, talk football, and talk life and intentional encouragement, especially with a former NFL lineman. But we've got that today. He is Tony Hills. You can find him on LinkedIn at Tony, T-O-N-Y, Hills, H-I-L-L-S. But you can find him right here, right now, on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tony, what's good, man? How you doing today? Brian, what's going on, man? Pardon me if you hear the the train tracks in the background. We just uh, we're gonna take a look at some of this gravel that the train's moving right now while we do this uh, this interview, man. <laughs> Tony is actually doing this remotely, so the the beautiful part about it a lot of times is we get folks on the Intentional Encourager podcast that do the interview from their car, or their office, and things like that. And so, man, I'm just happy to have you here. And uh, those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that that my man is rocking some sweet aviators and uh, in in the in his car while we're on the Intentional Encourager podcast. So, hey, Tony, let's let's start here for a minute. I, I, I want to get your perspective around what's been happening in the last 16, 17 months around COVID-19 because everybody has handled things differently. I know up here in West Virginia, things are a little bit different up here. What has your world personally and professionally been like the last 16, 17 months around COVID-19? And what what is the lesson that you'll take away from this time? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, like everybody, uh, when it first started, just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Uh, and then my mentality goes from that to, okay, what do I need to do to put my family in the best position possible? Uh, so immediately, man, I just got to work, just, you know, tried to get an understanding on what this actually is, how it actually affects my family. What are the things that I need to put in place to keep them protected? Uh, that, that pretty much was it for me from the, from the personal side, just basically as a provider and as, as a husband and as a father, you know, our, our main thing, Brian, is to make sure that our family is protected. So whatever that looks like and whatever we have to do to get that done, you know, that's just what we have to do. Uh, from the personal aspect, uh, man, it rocked my world uh, because, uh, um, you know, not, not too many people know, once I retired in 2017 after 10 years, uh, you know, I, I had to try to figure out what I wanted to do. So I got into the real estate aspect. I was a residential redeveloper for a couple of years. Actually had some success with that, but I didn't like the fact that I really wasn't able to control my own destiny because here in Texas, you know, the, the contractors have, have a lot of uh, leeway. And so the amount of, of um, respect and, and, and honesty and, and dignity that I, that I want my company to be, I'm not always able to control that contractors work and tell you one thing and then show you something different right so yeah. um that that kind of got me into the financial space uh and and i and i came into the financial space originally through the credit industry found out what credit could do how this world is ran out for credit and and i was like you know what let me let me dive into this and get some understanding so i studied that for about nine ten months opened up my financial services company and was helping people across the country uh, we were um you know we we're virtual and so um 
Then you have COVID that hits in, uh, in 2019, uh, 2020, to the end of 19, uh, the beginning of 20. And for me, it rocked me uh, because, you know, I, uh, nobody cares about credit when they're trying to figure out how they're going to feed their family. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that, that pretty much blew up, blew, blew up my business because that's what we were Randolph of. But we ended up having a chance to encounter uh, because we went to the Super Bowl, uh, the one where the Kansas City Chiefs played. I believe it was who did they beat? It was the one in Miami. I can't remember. But you would know that. Yeah, they played the forty. Um, they played the Forty ers Yeah, they played the Forty ers The Forty Nineers. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. So we so they did a big old thing in the NFL. They had the uh, the alumni come through and all that stuff. So we went there and promoted our business. I met a young lady by the name of Bobby Montgomery, who originally tried to recruit my wife. My wife gave me the information. They started trying to recruit me. Well, it was through the insurance industry. And, uh, you know, I denied it. You know, I'm focused on credit. I'm a one-track mind type of guy, man. When I dive in, I dive in. You know, that's just how I've always been. Yeah. And so, uh, I, you know, I avoided them for months. You know, they just, was, you know, let me have a conversation. I said, okay, I can at least do that. So I tell you what, how about you bring on my, how, you, how about you let me bring on my business partner and, and, and we have the conversation with you. I said, okay, let's do that. Had no clue that their business partner was going to be Mr. Marshall Falk, <laughs> right? And so um, from there we ended up talking, and, and, and this was the guy who switched. Brian, he said, "Listen, Tony, I know that you're wanting to do a lot of things for the community and for people. How do you expect to do that with only one tool in the toolbox?" So immediately after I cussed him out of my head <laughs> because I understood, you know, what this really was, what, what it entailed, the amount of work I had to put in, because that's really what it was about. I didn't want to put in that amount of work, credit side. But he was right. So I made the switch, and that switch changed not only uh, my business, uh, not only the, the, the financial aspect, but it gave me a, a whole new perspective on what insurance is and why it's actually needed for everyone. And that's where we are today. Tony, I got to ask you something. You talked about protecting your family. Mm -hmm. And and you played offensive line at the University of Texas. We'll get into that story here in a little bit. You played mm -hmm. offensive line in the NFL. Your whole world has been about protecting somebody else. It's not about ever been protecting you because when you're an offensive lineman, it's always a one-on-one -on -one matchup. Or, or quite possibly, uh, if you've got a real strong defensive lineman playing against you, you're going to get a little bit of help. But, but most of the time, it's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And if your guy gets, if your guy gets around you, that protection breaks down. If you know anything about the 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 NFL game, it's all about protection, 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 protection. And they even have some plays that are called max protection. When you think about the way you've grown up, so to speak, in athletics, does it surprise you that protection was your number one thought when the pandemic hit? <laughs> no, because everything that I've done in my life has led me in the direction, right? Um, so I, I took martial arts um, as, a young, as a young child, and I can need to take it today. I don't take martial arts as an attack mechanism or to be able to say, okay, the first person that tries me is getting these hands. That's not, that's not why I took it. 
I took it to protect myself, protect my family. Everything that I've everything that I've ever done has always been about how do I make sure that, that the people that are in my circle are safe. So no, not at all. That's just that's just my makeup. Uh, and to be honest, I can only tell you that it's God given because I don't really know where it comes from. Uh, in the environment that that um that I was raised in, it was more about survival than protection. So uh, I just think that's just something that God placed in my heart and now has allowed me to, you know, dive really into my purpose with what I do today. And the reason I ask about protection is, is the makeup of an offensive lineman. It is, I'm attacking what's in front of me, Mm -hmm. right? I am, I am using the techniques that I know very well, my Mm -hmm. foot placement, my shoulder placement, you know, you, you, you hear, and, and I, and I, I watch and study a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, football and things like that. Growing up a Cincinnati Bengals fan, the greatest left tackle, in my opinion, that's ever played the game is a guy oh, named man. Anthony Munoz, number, Ooh, number 78. He was the mm-hmm. ultimate left tackle. He had perfect footwork and technique. He had perfect hand placement. In fact, as mm-hmm. we record this, I was I was reading an article today where Anthony Munoz and, an, and another Bengals lineman, Dave Lapham, who is their color analyst, were talking mm-hmm. to the offensive line at Cincinnati's training camp because their offensive line has been very much maligned the last few years. And, and when you have a Hall of Famer that can address you and you have a, a great offensive lineman that can say, hey, guys, this is what we need to do, it just helps you get better. And guys, you played with in the NFL that were mm-hmm. excellent, uh, all pro protectors. What do great protectors, I, I want to go here for a second. What do great protectors have in common? Unselfishness. That is the key driver. To any offensive line, any great offensive line I've ever seen, they're always, they're always willing to put the team above self in all aspects, right? And on top of that, you know, it's just in position because it's one of the only positions, right, to where you really heavily have to rely on the man that's next to you in order for you to be able to do your job and that person to do his job right, right? So, like, what do I mean by this? Like, so a quarterback, say, you know, he's he's, respect, he's expecting a receiver to, to be in a specific spot. So he throws the ball there. The receiver's not in that spot, but something happens. The ball gets tipped, you know, and then he's in the spot. All of a sudden, he catches. We've seen those play. The exception is, 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 a, is something that I go to, right? right? Uh, yeah, the like immaculate that. reception, that yeah. Happen. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, can, that, can, that can happen, right? As a left tackle, if I'm if I'm if I'm relying on my guard set a certain way, I'm setting this way because I know my guard is going to be behind me, so I can be aggressive on this particular set. If he's not there, then not only do I look bad, not only does he look bad, but it could potentially ruin our future for the season because we could have just got our quarterback killed. Yep. Right. So. I have to be unselfish with how I do things. There might be a, a specific way that I love to set, but I have to, I have to push that to the side because of the way that my guard plays, right? So how do we find a way to coexist and to make this thing, you know, cohesive, right? And I think as we continue to, as you continue to build and you continue to, to grow with these particular uh, people, you see as an offensive line unit, they're always tight knit. 
the great ones yeah. are always tight knit, right? Yeah. So I can I can recall like us, you know, going to my boy Chris Kiyamatsu, aka Juicy. We call him Big Juicy. We used to go to his house all the time Thursdays, and we would watch film and cook out and just hang out, and we would be there for hours, right? Just bonding and, and, and just really, you know, getting to learn each other. And it it does something to you when you're in that room. Those group of guys are different than everybody else in in, in that locker room because we yeah. all have to be on the same page in order for this thing called a football team to actually go somewhere. Well, and, and Tony, you have you've seen over the years where you've had running backs that have gotten 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 yards that buy yeah. their offensive linemen Rolex watches or they buy all the offensive linemen a steak dinner or the yeah. quarterback that's had a successful year always takes care of their offensive line because I don't care how good you are. If you're throwing from your backside and yep. you're and you're and your backside is on the ground, you can't complete a pass sacked. There's no way you cannot complete a pass while you're sacked because once you're down, you're down. And so if if the and, and we saw it, like I said, we saw it last year as Bengals fans, man, you, your season blows up because your franchise quarterback gets hurt in the third quarter of a game and tears his ACL, and you're done. You're done for the year. You're Pittsburgh Steelers when Ben Roethlisberger has gotten hurt. Their seasons have been affected. And so, and you were you were around for some of those. And, and again, mm-hmm. it, it is – I wanted to really hone in on the protection part of it because I loved what you said about when COVID hit, I want to protect my family. When, when COVID hit, I wanted mm-hmm. to do things to, to make sure – and everybody wants to do that. That's what we've been talking about. You know, let's protect ourselves and things like that. Let me ask you this before mm-hmm. we step inside and take a break. You talked about survival. You were talking about, hey, man, it's where I grew up. It was about survival. Do you mm-hmm. feel like that those survival skills that you developed when you were a young man came to bear last year when you were thinking about the survival of your family financially? Uh-huh. And yeah. and how do how do you coach people? How do you coach people to harness their survival skills when it comes to their finances? That's a two part question. So yes, um, to to the first part of that. That's actually a great question. So yes, to the first part of that, I, I definitely was able to you know tap into our experience. I think that that's what life is about. Um, I'm a firm believer that a lot of times in life, we don't go through the things we go through only for ourselves. We go through it to be able to help other people, to be able to guide other people. Like, we actually have to grab that experience, right? It's one thing for me to tell you, hey, um, I, I know you're in a situation maybe financially that you want to be in, you know, but if you do these things, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out, all right, based off of what I've read or what I've studied. It's another thing for me to walk in that path and have made it out and show show you exactly what it is that you need to do in order to come out of that dark place, like that dark hole, um, because I took those same steps. And so for me, I looked at COVID as, as even though it's, it's something that I can't attack physically, I, I can't attack it with a knowledge base. Uh, I can't, I, if it affects my health, then what can I do to improve my health? So I diet house. Stuck to a lot more fruits and grains, amped up the vitamins and the, and, and the vegetables and, you know, and all those things. Um, that was one way that we fought that thing. Um, 
as it pertains to financially, how we help people, the first thing is fundamentals, right? Just like when you talk about protection, you talked about Munoz and, and what made him great was his fundamentals. What made him great was his foundation. So what does your foundation look like? That's the first thing we start with. We do what's called a financial needs analysis. Where we go in and we see how are you spending your money? You know, what debt do you have? You know, what bad habits uh, are causing you to have uh, more, I like to say, more bill than you, than you have money at the end of the month? Yeah. Right? And what we come to find out is, is, is sometimes it's just those small habits that we don't think about, right? Something simple. Uh, I'm hungry. Let me go to Jack in the Crack real quick is what we call it down here, Jack in the Box. You know, let me, let me call Let me go to Jack in the Crack real quick and me a burger and fries. Oh, Jack in the Crack. I love it, man. Yeah. What, what do you guys call In-N-Out Burger down there? What do y'all call In-N-Out Burger? No, it's In-N-Out Burger. It's in and out, bro. We don't have anything for that yet. I'll come up with some next next time I'm on. <laughs> but yeah, like just looking at those things, what are we doing for ourselves in this hole? We don't, we don't, we just go as a people sometimes. We don't really sit down and think and, and, and plan. We just life is on us so much, and I get it. But a lot of times you'll find out that when the, the calmest place to be in the storm is right in the center. Wow. The calmest place to be in a storm is in the center. Man, I love that. It's right in the center. And that's what I know. Right in the center, man. And so when you have things that are going on around you, take a step back, sit down, and think, right? We don't do that enough. I don't think as, as a people, I don't think we think enough. But let's sit down and think all the way through a lot of these things instead of being reactive. That way, when they do come, we can be proactive. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Tony, let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, I want to get your take on some NFL stuff that's going on. You're the perfect guy to talk some NFL football with. Um, if, if you're an NFL fan, you definitely want to stick around for this next segment because Tony's going to break some things down for you. And then here in just a little bit, we're going to get into his story, how he uh, how he, he talked about survival early in his, in his life, and we're going to get into that. Talking to my friend Tony Hills, former NFL offensive lineman, now the uh, owner of Stats Financial. And we're going to tell you at the end of the broadcast how you can uh, partner up with Tony if you're looking for some financial advice. I'm going to tell you how you can get in touch with him. Tony Hills joining me on the Intentional Encourager podcast back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Tony, before the break, we were talking. I told the folks I wanted to talk some NFL with you. And so... Um, as we record this last night, Steelers and Cowboys played the Hall of Fame game. 
That first exhibition game, you're not going to really get a whole lot, but we're going to a 17-game season this year for the first time. What do you think the mentality of a lot of the guys are going to be? And you obviously you keep in touch with a lot of guys that are still in the league, but what's the mentality of a 17-game season versus a 16-game season? Are, are the players looking forward to it? And how would you be looking at it, adding that extra regular season game? You know, that, that – that question is interesting because it depends on where you catch me, right? So if you catch me as a rookie to maybe a three or four-year pro, I'm all for it. Another opportunity to play the game, another check to put in the bank account. Makes sense, <laughs> right? Uh, if you catch me five years or after, I'm, I'm trying to understand how this correlates with the message of player safety. Yeah. You know? Because I know as a fan, it's excellent to watch, but a lot of times what we forget is that these these are humans. They're, they're, they're exceptional at what they do, but these are humans. And so adding another game adds another injury because at the end of the day, you look at it and you say, okay, we add 17 games, but we still have the, the four playoff games to get to the to the Super Bowl, right? And 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 what is the, you know, what is the the, the repercussions physically for these players by adding that extra game? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, Brian, a lot that goes to it. Let me break it down. My, 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 my regimen, right at around year six. Um, so we we play on Sunday, okay? So we're good. Monday we we come in. Uh, some teams they would come, we would, we would come in early. Other teams they let us come in later uh, later on in the evening, or they would give us a victory Monday. So we'll go off the victory Monday because I won a lot of games in the league. So yeah. on a victory Monday, all right, uh, I would wake up around seven o'clock in the morning. You would go to the training room because you would want to get your hot and cold tub in, your stretch, your foam roll. You want to get a light lift. From there, I would go and get a massage. From there, I would go to get acupuncture. From there, I would go to see a chiropractor. And, and Tony, uh, let me jump in here. The reason being is, and I've heard this said, and and I and. And I, I didn't mean to to interrupt you, but no, no, you're good. You're what good, I good. have heard, what I have heard is that every NFL Sunday is like being in a car wreck, or every Absolutely. play is like being in a car wreck. So, so how important was it for you? You talk about hot tub, cold tub. You talk about a massage. You talk, this is all before noon. How important was it for you to do those things in a regiment? for the sake of your body, would, would you wake up on Sunday or would you wake up on Monday morning having a hard time moving a lot of times because of what you went through the day before? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like my, my wife, you know, me and my wife, I wouldn't say battle. Battle's not the, the right, right word, but we had um, conversations <laughs> about after year six or seven, like, why am I still going? Because she's there watching me go through the things that I'm going through. The things that I go through still this day. Like, the game has a lingering effect. So that's kind of where I was going. You know, when you add this this 17-game this seven season, yeah, it might seem as though it's one game. But let's talk about everything that goes into this one game, especially if you're somebody that's, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years into it. I mean, hell, look at Tom Brady. You know, like, we all we all love Tom Brady. We love what he's been able to do. I, I'm waiting to see what happens to Tom Brady when he retires. Because yeah. for me, when I got out of everything, 
that's when my body was like, okay, now I'm going to show you everything that I've been holding back from you all these years. Well, one of your former teammates, Ben Roethlisberger, is still going is still going strong. I want to see what happens when Big Ben retires because, you know, when when you are, you know, Ben's had an elbow, he's had a knee, he's had shoulder. Um, and, and Ben Roethlisberger is a huge man. I mean, he's six foot five, 250 pounds and just a mount. I remember it and I don't mean to dive off here, but I remember several, probably 10 years ago, the first time I met Chad Pennington, I'm in a Marshall fan, Marshall grad. I got to meet Chad Pennington at a radio studio and Chad Pennington was not a big built guy. But what, Tony, what I noticed about Chad Pennington was his shoulders were massive and his yep. thighs were massive. Yep. And and I, I thought, my goodness, if Chad Pennington looks like that, I cannot imagine what Dante Culpepper and Ben Roethlisberger and, and guys like that that play quarterback, I, I can only imagine what they look like. And, and I think to your point about Brady is – all the things that he's done to keep himself playing, will how will you how do you channel those same energies when you're not like like Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning yeah. has found other areas to channel those energies. You mm-hmm. found cha- you found areas to channel those energies. You talked about Marshall Falk, the Hall of Fame running back, finding yeah. ways to channel those energies. Yeah, you 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 you. I think you're right on the money. Let me ask you this. What does the typical NFL fan not know about the NFL that would surprise them about about players that play the game? Because, and Tony, forgive me for a long-winded question, but I'm going to go here for just a second. Here's where I'm going with it. All we see are the guys on Sunday. We, we as fans, we're looking to Sunday afternoon and going, okay, man, I got to set my fantasy lineup. I got to do this. I got to do that. And at one o'clock, man, we're locked and loaded for whatever our favorite team is. That's just the fan side of it. Or we go to the stadium and see the game. What does the average fan not know about the NFL or players in the NFL that 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 if I, if you said it to them, they would go, "Man, I just I had no idea." I don't I don't think they realize the amount of sacrifice it takes to be in the NFL. The amount of sacrifice of your of your mind, of your emotions, of your body, of your family. You that's not something that you would be able to understand unless you've been in it. Mm. You know, um, and, mm. it, it, and, and to give you an understanding, look at look at and, and you know, and I say this respectfully, but look at Junior Seau. Yeah. You know, um, 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 uh, uh, Belsner, Jason Belsner out in uh, Kansas City, right? Yeah. Um, nobody wakes up and says, this is the day I'm going to end it. Yeah. There's a sacrifice that, that, that came with that, that, that you know, the, the body, the brain, the, everything that came with that. And, I, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I, I like to say I find it rich that the rebuttal to something like this would be, well, you know, you guys knew what you signed up for. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, we yeah. didn't. We did not because what we signed up for was was to play a game that we love. We didn't sign up for not having our faculties when we when we when we finished playing. Well, Tony, I, 
I, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm thinking of a guy, you being a former Pittsburgh Steeler, mm-hmm. a guy that I'm thinking about is, is, is the late former Hall of Fame center, Mike Webster, who, Absolutely. you know, who uh, toward the end of his life, his life was an absolute shambles. And this guy was a Hall of Famer. I mean, the Steeler teams of the 1970s, everybody sees Terry Bradshaw and, and man, you know, he's witty, he's funny and things like that. That's great. But then there's Franco Harris, there, there's Jack Lambert, there's Jack Ham, there's Elsie Greenwood, Donnie Shell, Joe Green. Um, those are good. Those are all yeah. the Steelers players that they go through what they go through. Well, I'm, I'm gonna give yeah. you, I'm gonna give you this the, the brotherhood. Let's talk about what Jim McMahon is going through. That's right. Or or a guy that that played with Jim McMahon, a guy named Dave Duerson, the late defensive back. Yes. Dave Duerson. Yes. Nobody knew that they were signing up for that. There was a skill set that we had, and we were like, yeah, I want to do this at the highest level, just like any other person, you know? I, I, I talked to – I have a friend of mine, a buddy of mine. He's, um, he's in the oil and gas industry, right? And, you know, eventually when he, when he first went in there, it was like, man, it's an easy job. You make good money. That's, that was the thought process, right? But as he got into the job 10, 10 12, 13 years, you know what he realized? Man, I'm around stuff that either catches on fire or blows up or has the potential to blow up. Like, I'm playing with my life. Yeah. That was 13 years after he had already been in that, in that career field. That's what I'm saying as it pertains to the sacrifice. We didn't know that. And the reason why we can say that is because the concussion protocols and all these things, where were these things before? Yeah. There was a movie that came out. And after the movie came out, now we're proactive. But you have to know that if you're dealing with doctors, these are these are people that are at their highest uh, 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 level of, of understanding as it pertains to what it is that we do. You've been a doctor in the NFL since 1980. You mean to tell me that you didn't correlate <laughs> brain trauma? To well, this? Tony, here's the thing. I played baseball from Little League all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. Nobody told me as, as an 11-year-old not to throw a curveball. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody said, hey, you're going to tear up your elbow. They were like, yeah, you know, if you want to throw it, throw it. You know, if you can throw one at 11 years old, go ahead and throw it. And so kids just automatically come up throwing curveballs, you know, or, or or kids now, you know, they start six, seven years old playing tackle football. Yep. And it, and it's like, man, you, you just go full tilt depending on where. And for a lot of kids here in West Virginia and things like that, the opportunities are not there. So if you're an elite athlete, you're going to do anything that you can do to get to that next level and play at a University of Texas like you did and and, and try to move on to the NFL. I got to ask you this before we take another break. Speaking let of the me, university. Let me, let me, let me speak. Yeah, go ahead. Point. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That, that part that you – just this, that, one, that one statement. That part that you talked about, the kids in West Virginia that come from a small town. Remember I talked to you about that survival mode that I grew up in? That's what that is. That's a way for them to be able to, 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 to elevate their families. That's a way for them to be able to have a better life. That's why kids that come from the areas that I come from, I can't speak to anybody else, but I can only speak to my experience. That's why they play the game. Yeah. They play it for that. Mom works 90 hours a week. You know, I'm, I'm in, a, in an area where I'm losing friends left to right. I'm good at this. If I continue to stay on this path, I can take my family out of this place and move them to a better opportunity. That's why they play the game. That's why I talked about the sacrifice. What you're describing, and and those of you, if you want to sit down and watch a good 30 for 30, 
watch Rand University about the life of Randy Moss. Um, because an hour from here where we're sitting recording this is a little town called Bell, West Virginia. And Rand is the unincorporated part of Bell, West Virginia. And what Tony just described is Rand, West Virginia. Very few opportunities. Watch that sometime if you get a chance. I got to, Tony, I got to ask you this real quick. Mm -hmm. We now have in, in, in NCAA athletics, name, image, and likeness. So guys like so guys nowadays, guys and gals nowadays, can profit off of their name, image, and likeness, whereas before it was an NCAA violation. Mm -hmm. If you are counseling a young man or a young woman at the University of Texas, and they came to you and said, Tony, I've got an opportunity with, with NIL to do this and that. I want to get some financial advice. How do I protect my assets? So that that if if I can go on and play at the next level, I'm going to be prepared for for even greater income that's going to come in. How would you counsel a young person today that that is looking at at name, image, and likeness, and now being able to capitalize off something that you guys were not able to do uh, 15 plus years ago? Yeah, so I definitely want to dive into that question. Um, I think the thing is, and this is what I've thought about, about that, because I'm all for it. You know, I'm all for it. If, if university is profiting off of the things that we're doing on that football field. So I'm all for getting some sort of, um, you know, payment for that. I think the thing originally when I saw it, my mind automatically went to the players that got kicked off of teams for doing the same thing that now is legal. And they were doing it for purposes. Again, goes back to that survival. That was the thought process that I had. But to answer your question, um, I would start with the first thing that we need to do is understand how money works. So we need to we need to start getting into some finance classes and not necessarily, you know, from a major perspective um, as it pertains to that being, you know, finance being your major. But maybe having those financial educators come to, you know, the, um, the what is it, the, the facilities. And we have a, a couple nights or two nights out of the week where they discuss the basics of how money works. You know, what does this look like? You know, uh, marketing, branding, all of these different things. I think that you make it mandatory that, that you, maybe you do a two-week class, not a two-week class, but uh, two uh, classes a week. And then those players are required, just like they did with um, study hall. Those players are required to at least attend one of those classes a week. I think that that's how you start because these kids are, you know, it's a slippery slope. You know, you're going to have some guys that come in like Master P son just got like $10 million or something like yeah. that. Right? You're going to have something like that. And then you're going to have every kid thinking, well, I'm just as good as this kid. So I should be. And now they're playing for that as, a pl as opposed to playing the game and then allowing the rewards to come to you after you've put in a certain body of work. So it's a slippery slope, but to answer your question, that's what I would do. I would have it to where out of, out of the week, you have two classes that talk about one finance, the other talking about money management or, or, or marketing or anything of that nature and make it mandatory, just like a study hall that those kids have to attend those classes. Cause that's, that's really the only thing you're going to be able to do. You're not going to be able to tell them how to spend their money. So yeah. at least prepare them when they get it to where they don't ruin their lives or ruin their opportunity to advance to higher things because they're getting, you know, these, these uh, prizes, so to speak. Well, and Tony, here's the thing, and we'll, we'll get to a break, I promise. But um, 
the thing about it is the offense, the, the starting left tackle may not be as quote unquote marketable mm-hmm. as the, the starting quarterback. It's like the NFL, you know, the, your quarterbacks are making um, two and three times the money that other positions are making in the NFL because they're high profile positions. As we record this, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills just signed Josh Allen to a, an extension. And, and I think the contract is going to be worth like $250 million for, yeah. for a franchise quarterback. And so there, there is there is a level of inequity based on, on what position you play, uh, whether or not you're going to have the other opportunities that most people are have. It's interesting. It's a very interesting time. I love the way you said that. Let's step aside, take a break. We come back. I want to dive into to some of Tony's story. You're going to love hearing his story and how he got to where he got to. I'm talking to my friend Tony Hills, president of Stat Financial, S-T-A-T-T Financial. And you come back with us here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Tony, let's dive into your story in the remaining time that we have. And man, take us as far back as you want to take us from point A uh, to today. I know you alluded to a little bit of your post-NFL career, but man, go back as far as you want to and tell your story. Absolutely. Uh, great. So yeah, um, my story, who is Tony Hills? Well, we go back to uh, A-Leaf, Texas, um, son to um, Mary Lemons, a strong woman, uh, raised myself and my brother Jeremy Hills. Uh, And, you know, I I would say that life was uh, very interesting. I I think that the word that I would would put on our life would be perseverance, right? So um, I... In our community, it's the typical story. You, you grow up single parent home, you know, the mom's trying to make everything happen. And, that, and us as, you know, uh, young black kids in an impoverished area, we're just trying to make sure that we don't make the crucial mistakes, right? We, we're not trying to, you know, get locked up and we're definitely one, wanting to be on this planet for as long as God allows us. So 
um, my I, I kind of took over as the man of the house um, at a very early age, um, about 10 years old, 10, 11 years old. You know, I was I was living on my own. Mom had to go to work and I had to watch out for my little brother. So uh, I think that as I as I speak on my story, I probably that's where a lot of the protection aspect comes from. The fact that I had to be a protector of my little brother while my mom went and, you know, brought in, you know, finances for us to be able to survive. Um, but I always knew that I had a purpose and I always knew that I had a talent. Uh, and so from there, it, it kind of flourished. You know, I was I was always a big kid. I was six, six, one, 250 pounds in middle school. <laughs> so I was a defensive lineman. So they used to call me the big cat after Leon Lett, um, you know, and, and then I went to Elsick High School where things uh, changed for me in, in, in a great way. But Prior to that, I actually left and went overseas because what a lot of people don't know, interesting tidbit, uh, my uh, basketball was my first love. So I went overseas and played uh, for the Junior Olympics, um, and we lost to a, another American team, but we played second uh, in the 15 and under group. Um, and that opened up my eyes to it being a bigger world than just A-Leaf, Texas. I think that that was a, a turning point for me in my mindset because I had only known that place. But when you got to see how people really live and you got to see what poverty really was, it kind of put what we were going through in, in, into perspective, right? Like you got the kids out there in, in Barcelona and Madrid and Valencia and some of these places, they don't even have shoes. They haven't eaten in days, but they got a soccer game going and they're happy and they're laughing. So that let me know that life is... Is, is all about your mindset and what you make of it. So I think that that started the mental makeup for me. Then we go over to uh, Elsick High School. I lettered as a sophomore. Uh, I was the number one tight end in the country uh, when we left. And I was the top, I want to say top 10 or top 15 player. Um, and University of Texas came calling after I injured. I had a gruesome injury in high school. Uh, I tore every L that there is, LCL, PCL, um, MCL, ABCDEFGL, <laughs> everything, everything in the knee was gone, and it developed a, a condition uh, where my per perennial nerve was stretched called drop foot. So I had over a hundred and something uh, offers uh, for all colleges. Couldn't went to any college that I wanted to. After I got hurt, um, it was pretty much the University of Texas that was there. And, and you know, shout out to Mac Brown to this day. He told me that. You know, even if you never play football again, we offered you the scholarship because of the man that you are. So if you want to come here and get your education, that scholarship still stands. And he honored something that he didn't have to. So for me, when I went into Texas, my whole mindset was I'm going to make him right. Uh, ended up changing positions from uh, tight end uh, to left tackle. Uh, Got to give a shout out to my man, Jeff Mad Dog Madden. You guys don't know him, go look him up. One of the greatest strength coaches there is. He actually, I think he got inducted into uh, the Texas Hall of Fame, um, Longhorn Hall of Fame. But Hey, Tony, Tony I, I want to jump in here because there are times that guys make that transition from tight end to tackle. Yeah. Be, be, because, <laughs> um, you know, there's a need there. Thing, It's not the move that most people want to make. Most people want to go from tackle to tight end because mm. you can actually touch the football. You went the other way. What was that mindset flip for you? And what was it that made you say, you know what? 
I can I can go from tight end to tackle. I, I'm cool with that. What what was that that like switching positions like that for you, especially at the high division one college level? Um, originally I hated it because just like you said, man, I want to score touchdowns, man. I don't know anything about kick sets and you know pat you know pass blocking and all. I don't know anything about that. Um, but I had a talk with my older brother and, uh, <laughs> um, he, out of, out of all my brothers, he's the one that's very candid in his speech. Right. And so he was like, listen, bro, I don't give a, you know, explicit yep. <laughs> about what you feel. This is the best move for you. He said, you're not going to go into the league and do this and do that playing tight end. But as a tackle, utilizing your athlete, he just gave, he just went in. And so I sat back and I listened to it. And I and I thought to myself, well, you know, this wouldn't be the first time that I switched positions because since I've been playing this game, I was never at one position. I always, you know, had transitioned. I started off as a defensive tackle, then a defensive end, then a linebacker, then a tight end. So I was like, okay, well, let's go ahead and make it happen. Best decision I ever made in my life. And I'm glad I listened. Because, you know, as we get into the story, you see what end, what ends up happening by me being able to adapt. Um, but, yeah, I think once you're able to realize, you know what, what's what's more important for the team? Because at that time, we didn't need another tight end. We had um, Bo Scaife, um, David. I, I don't know why his last name escapes me, but he actually played in the, uh, in the NFL as, as well um, for the New Orleans Saints. But we had tight ends, you know, and so we didn't have linemen. So, again, doing what's best for the team, I made that switch, and that was the best thing that could ever happen. Um, at Texas, man, as you know, Brian, we won a lot. You know, that was 05, 04, 05 season, you know, national championships, Rose Bowls, Big 12 championships, um, never lost a bowl game. I only lost to Oklahoma once, and that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially now that they're they're both about to join the SEC. So love the move. Love it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be phenomenal. I, I want you, and again, I want to be respectful of your time as well, too, Tony. But take me through the moment that and, and for those of you that that may not know, uh Tony was a part of that Texas team that won that that uh legendary game against USC in the Rose or in the national championship game in the Rose Bowl. I, I want to make sure we get that that down and played some with some unbelievable guys at the University of Texas. I want to talk about though going to the NFL just just real briefly. Take me through that that when you get the call or you get drafted, what that moment is like when you know you're going to an NFL team. Got it. David Thomas. Let me throw that out there. Um, was a tight end. Yeah. yeah no. Oh, yeah. Um, you, yeah. And, and there was also a, a guy you played with, a guy named Vince Young. We got to remember. We got to we had to talk. Yeah. About, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's a very crucial part. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to glance over that, man. You know, we, we, yeah, yeah, we can't absolutely. forget about V. We can't forget about uh, V.Y., you know, like we always say, man, you can't spell victory without V.Y. Man. Without V.Y. That's exactly right. <laughs> what, what was that like, though, when you you get the call to go to the NFL? Um, yeah. Were you drafted or were you signed as a free agent? Take me through that moment, if you don't mind. 
Absolutely. So the whole experience, uh, you know, I, I um, so, so draft day, I, I had went to San Diego, they flew me in and, you know, they basically told me the chargers, uh, this was when North Turner was, um, was the head coach. He's like, Hey, hey look, sit back, relax. We're taking you with the third pick. You know, don't, don't, you know, don't have to worry about anything, man. We, they started giving me playbooks and introduced me to the offensive line coach. So in my mind, I'm a San Diego Charger, right? There's no way that you can tell me anything different. But I still thought that there might be an opportunity that I might go a little higher, maybe sneak in the second round. So, I, you know, keep your fingers crossed. So we get to the third round. Uh, we get to San Diego. The selection is made. My name isn't called. Uh, at that point, I'm devastated because I, I have no clue where I'm going. And so, you know, the names, the names start getting called, numbers start going by, all these highlight tapes of people that I know I'm better than start playing in front of me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know if this is going to happen. So I walk away because of like anything, you know, when you feel like you're getting drafted, you want your family to be there. So you have a draft party. So I go to the back of the room and, and, you know, I'm just low. I, I'm thinking that, you know, all of the sacrifices, the things that I've made, the things that I've put my body through the, to this point, thinking about my mom and my little brother, how am I going to provide for them, all of these things. And so, you know, I go back in, I get my mind a, a, about me. I go back in and I get this this phone call. And it's from a 412 area code. So I almost hung up because I was like, man, I do not feel like dealing with spam calls in this moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but something... uh something told me to, to answer the call. And so I answered the call and, you know, there's a voice on the other line. What's going on, boy? And I, <laughs> I'm like, uh, hello? It's like, Tony Hills. Yes, sir. He said, that's what mama called you when you got in trouble. Remember you told us that? I said, yes, sir. It was Mike Tomlin. He said, we're wow. going to make you a Pittsburgh Steeler. Wow. Tears started flowing, man. The tears well, started flowing. And full disclosure, Tony, um, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, a guy named Joe Person. He covers, he's a friend of mine who covers the Carolina Panthers for the athletic. And his his college teammate was one Mike Tomlin at William and Mary, the same Mike Tomlin that was your head coach. Tomlin was a sophomore when my buddy was a, a senior receiver. So uh there the the Mike Tomlin connection on the intentional encourager podcast still flows. So you get that call from Coach Tomlin. And and now you're a Pittsburgh Steeler, but you grew up in Texas. Obviously, probably I would have to imagine the Dallas Cowboys were your team, and now all of a sudden you're becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler. What goes through your mind in that moment? Yeah, no, to be honest, I never really had a team growing up. My family was Cowboys. I had a player. Earl Campbell was who I loved to watch. I, I watched all his old highlight videos and also got to meet him, so – that had always been the person that I looked up to. And so I guess by fault, I guess I would have been an Oilers fan. Um, but no, uh, I knew nothing about Pittsburgh. I knew absolutely nothing. I knew that they, I knew as a football team, they were winners. So I knew that much. But as, as far as the city, as far as what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, that was the, I think for me, mentality wise, that place matched me 100%. It's blue collar. Uh, you know, the people are, you know, you get what you get. Don't throw a fit type of people, you know. 
Uh, and they love their Steelers, man. The support is unreal. If it's, if it's you know, 95 to 100 degrees or if it's negative 95, they're out there in the stadium. Is yeah. Packed. And, and, and the love and, and, you know, the appreciation that you feel just walking in that city, whether, win, lose, or draw, they, they're, they're there. They got your back. And, you know, those are some of the greatest memories and the greatest fans. But fourth round, 130th pick, man, my, 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 thought, my thought process was, you know, after you make it, take advantage of whatever opportunity is there. That's, that's how it's always been for me. Tony, you, you played in the Super Bowl, a part of the Super Bowl team in Pittsburgh, but I've got to ask you this, and and man, as we're we're running close to the end of time, what was the one thing that you took from your time in Pittsburgh as a Pittsburgh Steeler that will go with you the rest of your life? No excuses, no explanations, only results. Wow. That's it. Mike Tomlin used to tell us that all the time, that next man up. Those two things I take with me and I carry, and I actually instill those lessons uh, to my sons and, you know, and soon to be come October 21st, my daughter. Um, but that's, that's what I took. No excuses, no explanations, only results. Because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that really matters. Tony, man, you've been so great with your time. I've got one last question for you. Share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. My biggest piece of intention. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Um, I think, you know, whether it's social media or, or, or YouTube or, or no disrespect, because, you know, this, this podcast is amazing, but, but podcasts, there's a lot of information. We live in the information age. But there were, before the, all this stuff existed, there was a time where we used to listen to our intuition. And that's God-given. So I would say to listen to yourself. Man, that is so good. Tony, tell folks how they can connect with you. Um, if, if they want to know more about STAT Financial, S-T-A-T-T, tell mm -hmm. folks how they can connect with you and find out more about what you're doing at STAT Financial. Absolutely. So uh, the website should be uh, finished here within the next uh, week or two. Um, but right now I'm sending people, whether you go to LinkedIn, Tony Hills on LinkedIn, or you can get to me through uh, Instagram at Tony the Tycoon, all one word. Um, and on there, I'll, I'll post uh, the website up and everything so people can get in touch with me um, uh, from that point. Tony the Tycoon on Instagram. I'm, I'm jotting this down so we can uh, put that in the show notes on, on Instagram. Tony the Tycoon, you, you also want to connect with him on LinkedIn. And then you, you'll be able to find out more about his company, Stat, S-T-A-T-T, -T, Stat mm -hmm. Financial. Man, what, yeah. you, you know, you got to have the stats, man. You If yeah. you're going to play at the next level, you got to have the stats. Absolutely. The quick rundown on what we do, Brian, man, we, we're wealth creators. We basically take um, the, the things that the wealthy have done, right, their strategies, and then we give it to those that are looking for financial independence. That's what we do. You know, we have different strategies on how we do that, but that's what it is in a nutshell. Man, that's awesome. You're leveling the playing field for a lot of people out there that want to win with money and they, wanna, they want to be champions 
with the resources God's given them. Tony Hills, man, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, and my man, you made it worth it. Thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. You guys be blessed. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.